That's for sure. All right, here we go. Here we go. Chavra, today's daf is daf tzaddik, page ninety in the Heligim Masechus Babakama Parakachayvel, and we pick up towards the bottom of Peitas Amidbeis with Lema Takonas Usha Tanoihi. The word Lema is the last word on the line. We're going to call it uh, twelve lines for the bottom. Let's count together: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen lines to the bottom. Last word on the line is lema. The Gemara is uh, continuing to discuss the takonas usha, which was that if a woman sells her nixe, uh her nixe malug, even though she has ownership over it, so it should be a valid sale. If she were to pass away, the husband can invalidate that original sale against what it would have been. But this was the enactment. They made an usha to strengthen the husband's hand. Says the Gemara, Lema Tikkanas Usha Tanoi. Let's say the Tikkanas Usha is a dispute amongst the Tanoim. The Tani Chada. One Brisa said, Avdei Malug. The same way you can have a woman again who comes into the marriage with property of Malug. Remember what's Malug? It's her personal property. It's not part of the Ksuba. The husband is not guaranteeing its value, but he gets the produce. Okay. What if she brings Avdei Malug? She has servants. That she's bringing into the marriage. The husband could use the servants. Because uh, considered their work. He could use their work. That's the produce. So Avdei Malug. Yaitzim b'shein v'ayin le'isha. They go out. If let's say the. What's a woman master? A, ma- uh, a, a mistress. Okay. So if the woman master. If the mistress. Their true owner knocks out their eye or tooth. Then they're going to go free the same uh, the same way uh, you know any servant goes free free but not if the husband knocks out their tooth or eye you know you know why because he's not considered their owner his wife is the owner of another time taught us she brought an evident to a marriage but once she's in the marriage mm-hmm. so that that is part of the family. It's not like her personal slave. It is. And, and not, and he can't. Uh... It's her personal slave, but he could use that slave. He could make use. The same way if she walks in with land, it's her land that he gets the produce from. If she comes into a marriage with a servant, it's her servant, but the husband can order that, service, that servant around. And therefore, if the husband were to knock out the guy's tooth, the habit doesn't go free because his master did not knock out his tooth. And if her husband has a servant, what? Oh, so then, so then it goes by the husband. Does she? Good. Yale saying good. Yale saying what if what if she didn't bring the servant into the marriage? Does that mean that since the husband owns the servants, if she were to knock out the tooth, the servant doesn't go, does not go free because she's not the owner either? In a chanami, it's a good, very good, very good. It's a it's a dik idea. I like it. I like it. Okay. Again, if the husband doesn't give her any sort of ownership over this. So, the Tanidach, the other, the other Tana taught us, Layla Ish, Layla Isha. Savrua, so we thought, that when somebody has rights to the produce, that doesn't give you rights over the thing itself. So, my love, isn't this the source of the Machlaikis between the Brises? The Manda, Amar Isha, the one who says that the Ever goes free if the wife knocks out his tooth, Susha does not agree with the Takana of Usha, and therefore the woman's retaining her full power over, over the Evet. 
If she makes a sale, it's mamish a valid sale, and so on and so forth. The man damar la'ilisha la'isha, but the one who says la'ilisha la'isha, that even though she came into the marriage with nichsei malug, if she knocks the guy's tooth out, he does not go free. Isli takanasusha, he'll agree with takanasusha and say and say even though she brought this evidence to the marriage, lemaisa the husband uh, she loses an element of her ownership because the husband can always invalidate any sort of sale. Uh, after the fact, so maybe this is the source of the machlekes. Which the Gemara responds, "Lloyd, that's not what the two brises are arguing about. They're not arguing about takana sushi or not. Rather, the kuliyama is it takana sushi? Everybody agrees of the of the decree of usha, which is again that the husband can go and and create and uh, call first dibs on liens of any land that she sells. Maybe one brise was written before takana sushi." Okay, and one price is written after Takana Susha. Or you could say, both written after Takana Susha. Now again, if it's after Takana Susha, now the woman should have a weaker hand and have a weaker ownership. So if she knocks out the tooth, why is the Ebed going free? The, his mistress has a very weak ownership. So what's Taka the reason? Who says uh, if we're gonna, that he goes free with the loss of, of tooth and eye by the woman, Kidarava, because of he holds of a, a psak that Rava gave. Now remember, Rava is an Amira, and we're going back to Brysis of Tanayim. So basically, what we're saying is not that the Tana agrees with the Amira, it doesn't make much sense. Amira lived later, but this Brysa will fall in line. With the psak of Rava, which is, says the Gemara to explain, the Yomar Rava, Rava says, we now turn to the top of today's daf, Hektish, the laws of Hektish, Chametz, the laws of Chametz, the Shikhr, and the laws of Shikhr, the laws of how you free an Ebed, Mafkian, Midei, Shibud, remove a lien from that item, which means, which means, I own a, um, I own an Eved, I own chametz, I own land, I own a whole bunch of stuff. I borrow money from Michael. You're going to have a lien on my stuff now. You have a lien on all my things. If I were to go ahead and take my land or my Eved and sanctify it, or if it becomes chametz on Pesach, or if I free my Eved that previously you had a lien on, now you can no longer collect for them. You have other things to collect from. That's Rava's statement. Rava says, even with Takana Susha, there still is a halacha that this wife, when she frees the, uh, when, when, um, when she knocks out the, the uh, Eved's tooth, he's going to go free because the husband's lien is removed. Again, what was Takana Susha? That a husband's lien is never removed. That was Takana Susha, right? A woman comes in with Nikhsay Malug, she sells the property, he has a stick of lien on it because he gets the produce. But no, now she sold it, right? She sold the, the Etzem field, the, the, the field itself. So after she dies, the husband shouldn't get it. It was her field that she sold. Takana Susha is done. The husband does hold on to it. Says the Gemara, there's exceptions. There's exceptions. And the exceptions is, if you make something hectish, something becomes chametz, if you free an Eved, that removes the lien from the husband. And therefore, she retains, if she knocks out the Eved's tooth, she retains a dominant control. They call it controlling ownership, right? 
somebody has like a controlling ownership in a company or whatever. She retains that control in it. And Mamela, she knocks the guy's tooth out, he's going to go free. Lema de he says the Gemara, does that mean the Machlekes Haram is, is a t- the, the statement of Rav is a Machlekes Haram? Light the Kuliyama Islu the Rav of Ha'amur Rabban the Shibud the Baal. Here the Rabban are just strengthening the husband's Shibud, the husband's lean of Usha to make sure that uh, that um, by, uh, we, we want to strengthen his hand so that he, he won't lose his control if she were to go and free the Evid. Okay, so bottom line is. That's another possible mahalach. That's another possible approach. That's another possible approach of how to answer the contradiction between the brises. Or if you, you could give another approach to answer the, the, the contradiction in brises. Everybody agrees that, that we do not follow takonas usha. Okay? Now, if we don't follow takonas usha, that means we did not strengthen the husband's hand here. The husband's hand is not strengthened, and he's a regular guy with a lien on the property. The hacha, and over here, the machlekes here is that if I have rights to produce, is that also called rights in the essence of that thing, uh, of that thing itself? Okay, so so let's say you have an evet. You have an evet. A woman brings malug evet into the marriage. The husband has rights to use the evet. Do we say that the husband's rights to usage of the evet also gives him an element of ownership in the, in the evet or, or not? And the machlekes is going to be the same as a different machlekes, the tanya, which we learned. If somebody sells his evet kenani to Shimon, and he makes a condition with him. Okay, I say like this, it's very common, it's a very common style of sale, um, I would say it's probably, uh, it's probably uh, pretty common when it comes to homes, I've, uh, I've heard of such a thing, where so, you, you'll, you'll make a sale, and, um, and uh, you say, listen, it's yours, but I still have rights to use it for the next while, right, you have ownership, but you can't kick me out for six months. Can't, you can't kick me out for 30 days, okay? So, Ruvain sells his Evet to Shimon, and they make a condition, but I can still use my Evet for 30 more days. Even though it's a done deal, I can still hold on. Rav Meir says, Rishayin yeshnei bedin yaim ay yaimayim. The first one, the, the original owner has the, uh, has the halacha of yaim ay yamayim. Um, Yami Yamaya means if somebody were to kill his Evid, but that if somebody hits his Evid and the Evid ends up dying, but it, he lives for another day or two. So then you're not Chayav Misa. If it's your Evid, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be Chayav Misa. Um, now, usually, if you give somebody a clap and they end up in the hospital for a week and then they die, you're Chayav Misa. Over here, even though they didn't die instantly, right? Over here, the Torah is giving a leniency on a master and saying, if it's your Evid that you struck, if the, if the Evid lived an additional day or two, you're not going to be high of Misa. Because he's an Because he's your Evid. Your Evid. Correct. If somebody else were to strike him and he lives for two more days, that guy would be high of Misa. But if you strike your Evid and he lives two more days... If you intentionally strike That's right. 
That's right. Yes. It says in the Torah. Yeah. Coming up. Coming right up. Uh, next week's parsha. This week's. We'll call it, uh, next week's parsha. Parsha Mishpatim. Parsha Mishpatim. Um, right? It says if a person hits his Eved and the Eved lives Yayim Ayyamayim. He lives for another day or two. So then he doesn't have the... Uh, he doesn't. Uh, there's no revenge against the master because he by you because he's he's your property, he's your money. Be it as it may, he says of mayor, I sell my evet. So here's what happened. Fascinating. Reuven sells his evet to Shimon on condition that he could use the evet for thirty more days. During those thirty days, Reuven hits him hard enough that he dies. Says of mayor, you're not high of Misa. During, during the thirty days, before. the original master hit the Evid so hard. The original master, right? Because I, I said so we say the original master normally, if he hits his Evid, Evid, he's he's not chayev. Right. So here too, you're not chayev. And we're saying here, but if he hits him, also if he hits him, you're not chayev. Even, if he's got control of the Even though he's not mine, I sell my Ebed to you. I say, Yale, what's, what's today's date? What's today's English date? 31st. Huh? 31st. Okay, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's stick with Hebrew. Let's stick with Hebrew. Chaf Alev Shvat. Chaf Alev Shvat. So I'm saying, Chaf Alev Shvat, we're making a, a deal. You want to buy my Ebed? He's yours. However, until Chaf Adar Aleph, I get to use him. Deal. I keep my Evid. I keep your Evid. Your Evid. Tomorrow, he's not listening. I gave him a patch. And he gets very injured from that. And he dies. Am I high of Misa? Because I'm not the owner anymore. Yes or no. Yes or no. So that's the Shaila here, right? So, Machlaikas. That's what Rav Meir, Rav Meir says, Rishain, the first guy, me, I would be putter. I'm still considered the owner because I still have usage over the Eved. Because, uh, because I still have usage. Now, why does Rav Meir say that? Kasavar, he holds Kenyan Paris when you acquire the rights to use something, that is like you own that thing itself. So once I'm using the once I'm using the Paris, once I have the production from this thing, I'm I'm holding on for thirty more days. It's still considered mine. Hence, I have the leniency of the Torah. I will not be. There's no chi of misa. He says both owners are were lenient on. I'm sorry, Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, uh, yeah, Rabbi Yaisi, I'm Rabbi Yaisi, says, They're both potter. Now, according to the first opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, it seems that the, the buyer, if the buyer were to hurt the Eved, he would be Chayav Misa, because you don't have usage yet. What if you were to hit the guy before he started working for you? According to the first opinion, you'd be Chayav Misa. According to the second opinion, no, you're not, because Lamaisa, you own him. Okay, now it says the Gemara. Misaf Kalei, Rabbi Yosef is in doubt. Kinyan Paris Iki Kinyan Haguftami, Ilav Kinyan Haguftami. Besafik Tefashes Lahakel. He says, I don't know. He's in doubt whether 
if you have ownership over the produce of something, the production of something, whether that, whether that gives you, whether that's considered like, like a, a strong majority ownership in something where it's mamashirs. And he says, since we have a suffix of whether to put the, give Misa, you got to be lenient. You got to be lenient. And therefore, the seller of the Eved is not Chayav Misa, and the buyer of the Eved is not Chayav Misa, because we don't know who the true owner is. Why don't we know? Why don't, because on one hand, you own the Eved. Yeah. On the other hand, I get the produce. So yeah. which one of us is the owner? Right. Good. So Rabbi Yaisi is in doubt of how you view ownership in such a scenario. Are you called an owner when you have no access to it? But when you can't use it, it's like I own it. Oh, if you can't use it, yeah. But we say we're saying she doesn't use it. She owns it, and the husband's making use of it. He's got, he gets all the production. Yeah. So I sell something to you. But what does that if do for she, her? If, if she gets divorced, then Agreed. She, she takes it. Agreed. So that must be that she's an owner. Um, it depends how you define ownership. What's ownership? If I were to own something, let's say somebody were to leave you in their will a, a thousand golden bars in a Swiss bank. Don't make it so nice. A thousand golden bars in a Swiss bank. Oh, Swiss you don't know about it. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm Nobody waiting. told you. Yeah, and when I find out. But you, let's say you're never going to find out. So do you own it? It doesn't do me any good. That's right. If it doesn't do you any good, you don't own it. 20 years later, my children might find out. Maybe. But right now, are you rich from that? I'll go after it. But right now, are you rich from it? No. Because you don't even know about it. So, is that called ownership? You have no access to something. So then even if you know about something, but you have no rights to it, you have nothing, not doing anything with it, Rav Yaisi's Masupik, he's in doubt. How do I have new ownership? No, that's wrong. Okay. Do you, do you, do you ever... And I, I know what you're saying, and that's why he's Masupik. And I'm going to tell you something. Tell me. Once a year in the paper, they publish the list of all the property that the state is holding unclaimed unclaimed property real estate whatever it is any like any bank accounts that they're holding in other words somebody defaulted somebody walked away from property somebody whatever it is yeah and then the state ended up having it and then they list all the stuff and with the names of the people right, that's a basic approach they both were going to be strict on both of them. I'll tell you why. The buyer of the servant, Yale, you bought the servant. It's not on, he's not under your control. And therefore you don't own him. And I don't own him either, even though I'm using him. He's not mine. And therefore I'm not fully the owner. You're not fully the owner. Says Rebel Yazar, if either of us were to hit him in a deadly way and he dies two days later, we would be Chayav Misa. Amar Rabba, Rabba says, my time with Rebel Yazar, what's the reason for Rebel Yazar that he's so strict? Amar Kroki, Kaspai Hu, Kaspai Miyuchad Property means it's your, it's your property. Not, uh, you know, uh, that multiple people have a controlling stake 
in uh, in this. Kavan also had the Himar Ameimar Ishvi Isha Shemachru Benichse Melog Loi Asu Velai Klum. This statement, which has a husband and wife who sell Nichse Melog, it's it's not a valid sale. Kavan Kerbel Yezer. That's the opinion of Kerbel Yezer because since both of them don't have ownership. Neither one can uh, has the reins over this item to go and sell it. Mantan halatan rabbanon mishechatzi avichatzi ben chayr. Walk up and claim it. If you made a deal, why why can't? I'll give you a cop out answer, just because for the for brevity's sake, that you might be happy with, you might not be happy with. I'm not happy with it, okay. but it could do it just for the sake of brevity right now, and that is that. It could be we hold of Ein Barera. Ein Barera means that we don't view the property or the Evet as if it's owned in parts. Everybody owns the whole thing. So if I, even, if I own 80% of a field and you own 20%, we don't view it, we don't necessarily view it as if you own a specific part of land. You own 20% of the entire thing. I own 80% of the entire thing. And uh, you and and therefore you can't sell your twenty percent. It's my land. The wine, same thing. It's my land. You sell twenty percent the same way that you own. But you can't do anything with that. What's if, if the if the guy owns, you have no ownership. If the guy owns eighty percent, decides to sell, then you're going to get twenty percent of that of that purchase. That's true. But can you sell so, something that there's another partner that that has a controlling stake in it? Right, you agree with that, and therefore, husband and wife by nechsei malug, Rabbi Eliezer is taking the approach. You're following the other approaches. Rabbi is taking the approach. Neither of you are owners here. Both the, the wife's not the owner because the husband gets the produce. The, the husband doesn't own the deed on the property, so both of you have no have no place to sell, and therefore the whole thing is null and void. That's Rabbi Eliezer says. You, you both have dominating problems in the sale. That, that's going to what? Conflicting problem. Yeah, so it's not going to work. He just says it's not going to work. That, that's his approach. And, that, and assuming that approach is correct, that means if you need all of them are owners. That means all of them are part owners, yeah. but not enough, not enough to create it, make a sale completely effective. And all of them are potters. Oh, in an Evid? Absolutely. And when it comes to land, says Rashi, this is what Rashi is explaining specifically over here. When it comes to land, if the husband sells the Malug property or the wife sells Malug property, and then years later one of them dies, the other spouse can always take the property back. Because that original sale was not effective enough to be permanent. That's how it's going to play out over here. And that's how uh, Lafi Rashi, that's, that's how, how Rashi is playing this out. Somebody who is half free and a half Eved. How's that possible? Two partners own the Eved. One of them frees him. The other one does not. If an Eved is owned by two partners. If the remaining partner knocks out his tooth, he does not go free. Because the remaining partner is not enough of an owner to be called an owner knocking out his tooth. Rebbe Ezra is going to be the one who paskins like this, which is again that if you if if you have a servant who is only who's owned by partners, or you have a servant that's been half freed and half not freed, and one master knocks out the the Ebed's tooth, the halacha is the Ebed does not 
go free. This is consistent with Rebbe Leizer's approach. This is consistent. Again, Yale doesn't like it. Michael doesn't like it so much. Okay, Rebbe Yehuda's arguing. Right? We had Rebbe Meir's original approach. We had, uh, we had Rebbe Yehuda, but this... We had Rebbe Yehuda. Huh? It's not the first. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. That's why we have... That's why we have... Uh, that's why we have terror like this. To teach us, teach us how to think. Here we go. Hatakeh lechaveirai... Somebody who shouts loud into his friend's ear, you got to pay him money. You got to give him an amount of a sella. Rabbi Huda Aymer, Rabbi Huda says, you got to give him a money. Okay? You got to give him a money, which is 25 times a, of a sella. Starai, if you smacked him. Now, these are all for either damage or embarrassment. So let's say you smack the guy in his face. You walk over to the guy, give him a smack in the face. You got to give him 200 zuz, which is 50 slum. It's double. It's even double that. If you backhanded slap him, which apparently is more, more embarrassing, you got to pay him double. If let's say you. I'm envisioning it to be like, you know, something used to knip your ear, like it really hurts. Give him a guy a hard knip on the ear. Yeah? Or tolash uh, besarai, or you pull the guy's hair. Rakak, you spit it, you, you spit and it hit him. Okay? Now, interestingly, we're going to see later on, the Gemara tells us, if it didn't actually touch him, you just spit towards a person, or hit his shoe, or whatever it is, you're putter. But if you spit like in a person's face, and, and it hit him, um, heavier talisa mimenu, or you um, you uh, took his, you yanked his shirt off. Para raisha bashuk, or you have a woman in the marketplace and somebody um, somebody takes off her techel, somebody takes off her shetel and uh, reveals her her hair. In all these cases, you're also obligated to pay that larger amount. Of 400 zuz. Here we go. Zaklau. This is the rule. Top of Tzad Yamad Bey. That it also depends on a person's cover. A person's on, depends on a person's honor. A person's stature. Okay. Now this is interesting. Because we just gave a set amount. That you need to pay. And then we're saying. There's a rule. You pay according to how honorable a person is. Well, is it a set amount or is it not a set amount? Even a poor person in Klai Yisrael is considered wealthy. Who are considered Avram, Yitzchak, and Yankiv. And therefore says Rabbi Akiva, there's no such thing as a poor person in Klai Yisrael. The same way if you have a wealthy person that loses all their wealth. They're considered a wealthy person that lost their money. They have standards. This is a beautiful concept from the Heliger Rabbi Akiva. And there's, they have expectations of themselves. And they have expectations that society is going to continue to honor them. Every single Yid are children of Avram, Yisak, and Yaakov. And therefore, you always get the highest value if you get embarrassed. We don't view you like, oh, you're a Nebuch on the street anyway. No, no Yid is a Nebuch on the street. I mean, if you're, if your basis, Originally, correct, correct, or even now, or even now, he says, "Let if if a rich guy gets four hundred zuz for being embarrassed, a poor guy gets four hundred zuz for being embarrassed." Oh, is that right? Yep. No matter what. So then, there's no difference in anyone. According to Rabbi Akiva, 
That's right. That's where Akiva's arguing. That's where Akiva's arguing. Okay. Now listen to this story. Ma'isa Bechad is similar to the story I told you before. Ma'isa Bechad, Shabbat Rashish Bashuk, somebody took off the head covering of a woman in the marketplace. Told the guy, his bezdem paskin, this guy's got to give her a lot of money. 400 zoos. Omar Lai, the guy said, Rebbe, Tainlizman, Rebbe, give me some time. What does that mean? 400 zoos is like a year plus of salary. It's a lot of money. He says, I don't have the money. Vinasan Lizman, Rebbe Kiva says, okay, take your time, but you're going to pay up. So this guy waited for her near the the uh, opening of her chatzer. And he broke a barrel in front of her. And it was, uh, there was an iser worth of oil in the jug. So he's hiding. So what he did was like this. He, 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 broke, he, he knew that she wasn't somebody who's careful anyway about covering her hair. Right? Yeah, she she didn't she didn't respect the mitzvah too much anyway. So he wanted to show that what he did wasn't worth four hundred zuz. This woman will take her hair covering off for a small amount of money, yeah, to, to save her to save her oil, and that's what she did. She took the she uncovered her hair. She's outside, and she starts oiling up her hair, making herself uh, all all pretty. So he made sure there were witnesses there. And he right, to, to see this. And now, Rebekiva, he comes in front of Rebekiva, and he says, I'm going to have to give four zoos to this lady who uncovers her hair by herself for $1.50 of oil? You're going to charge me fifty-sixty dollars $60,000? Yep. If somebody damages themselves, you're right, they don't need to pay. But if you damage them, you're chayav. You cut down your own tree, that's your own problem. And therefore, even if she wanted to embarrass herself publicly and uncover her hair, you embarrassed her by uncovering her hair, and you got to pay the full amount. You, you got to pay the full amount. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't change anything. It doesn't make a difference. Correct. What she did doesn't make a difference. doesn't matter. What you did... That's, that's, that's right. Yeah, and and I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else that there's an underlying layer over here of psychology. I don't know if it's a. I, I'm not going to call it fortunate or unfortunate, but you know something like you're stopping something from you're stopping something wrong from happening. From happening. Yeah. You know. Right. You don't want these things to go on. Right. Now. There's also an element where it's a very chashv idea. We're going to get into this. The Gemara is going to get into this. A fascinating psychology. And that is... How do I articulate this? There are people that are very non... self... uh, uh, self-effacing. Like they don't... they, they don't care about, about their cover. They're they're, they are they, they're self-effacing. They're, they're not into their own cover. Yeah, they don't act like their own cover that they need. Right. And they're fine. That doesn't give me an excuse to treat them like that. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. It doesn't give me an excuse to to treat them like that. 
that's how they want to walk around. That's that's their zach. It, it, it's, it's it's a very powerful idea. If I want to be humble in front of my kids, I still can't allow my children to talk to me like a friend. Right. And and if they talk to me the way my wife talks to me, it's wrong. <laughs> right? It's wrong. They're not allowed. The Torah doesn't the Torah doesn't allow it. But what Rabbi Kiva's teaching over here is not only it's a what Yale is saying, and that is. These things can't start. You can't have a go there. B, it's that it doesn't mean anything. So she'll she'll do it to herself. That's einzach. That's fine. But you do it to her. It's another parsha. It's another parsha. Don't treat people the way that they treat themselves. You have to treat them on more covet than, than they that they treat themselves. That's the question. Searching for information. Mana tsuri We said a mana is it talking about the more the 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 larger amount mana or smaller. Now there's a the amount of tzuri is eight times the amount of a standard mana. Tashma, come and listen. The hook I've been talking to is a guy who shouted into his friend's ear. He said he got to pay a full mana tzuri. Yeah, so it's the more valuable. Uh, it's the more valuable mana. My ha another basically. What does it mean? Hear me, here I am, Anna, me, and Rabbi Saglili. What does that mean? That Rabbi Yudah was saying, It was I who saw you, It was I who saw Rabbi Saglili, I saw you, and Rabbi Saglili is the one who gave the psak about the Manatsuri, these two things. Zil, Havle Manatsuri, therefore go give him Manatsuri. That can't be the pshat. The name of the Eid Nasadayan, because then the witness is going to be the judge. He's judging over here, and guess what? This is a, we're now going to enter a fascinating topic. Um, this is going to take us down to the two dots towards the bottom. Can a witness act as a judge? Bahatanya, okay, now a judge, huh? Well, if you have a judge who witnesses something, he himself saw it. But he's, but he's, not, he's not the judge in this case. He's just a, he's Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. Bahatanya, we're going to Sanhedrin, Shiro, Echot, Shara, Let's see the whole Sanhedrin. Who are the only ones allowed to paskin somebody Lamisa? Let's say they saw somebody killed, Reuven killed Shimon in front of the Sanhedrin. They saw it with their own eyes. Who's they? The Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin. They're the ones who have to paskin Misa. Okay, and and in Sanhedrin, somebody killed, Reuven killed Shimon. Okay. So they're witnesses. All 70. Witnesses. All 70. All right. <laughs> yeah. Says the Bryce. So what do you do? Mikzoson. Nasu Edim, Nasu Dayanam. We'll split them up and we'll take a couple of them and we'll say, listen, two of you guys, or two of you guys, two of you, no, not, they're not guys, I'm sorry. Two of, two of the, the Dayanam will be witnesses and everybody else will sit as the judges. Divi Reb Tarfin, this is the opinion of Rebbe Tarfin. Now, according to Reb Tarfin, it seems that a witness can still act as a judge. You just, you're not the one who's actually testifying. You understand? We won't make you the witness. We'll make other people the witness. And even though you saw it, you'll sit as a judge. You'll play one role and that of a judge. Rabbi Kiva says nothing doing. There's nothing to do about this. There's just no Bezdin anymore because they're all witnesses. In other words, you're not a witness, says Rabbi Kiva. You're not a witness when you show up to court to testify. You're a witness when you see it. And therefore you're all witnesses. The shaila here is, can you serve in both capacities? 
Now, even according to Rabbi Tarfin, who says that if Reuben kills Shimon in front of the Sanhedrin, you take two of them to be witnesses, and the rest of them sit on the Sanhedrin, Rabbi, Rabbi Tarfin is still saying, but the, witness, the, the witnesses themselves can't be judges. So we still want to know, can a witness double up as a judge? Can you do both? We just said that if you saw, if the, if the, if the Dayanim saw the killing, the killing, they can't separate themselves. Two of them can't separate themselves. Well, Rabbi Tarfin said they could. And have the other ones be judges. Be judges. Rabbi Tarfin said we could do that. Rabbi Akiva said we cannot do that. Okay, so we're going to argue that. Yeah, but listen, listen, listen. Rabbi Akiva says we cannot do it, right? Okay. Rabbi Tarfin says we could do that. Yeah. But even Rabbi Tarfin, who says you could take two of them yeah. and make them testify while the other, right. the remaining will sit there, right. holds that the ones that are set aside to testify are not going to be acting as judges. What are they doing? They're just going to be testifying. We take them off the court and they testify. Right. But are they called judges in this case? No. No. They're ready to. Right. So no. now, do, do we have any, is there anybody now who's telling us that when you're a witness, you can also be a judge? No, we didn't say that. Excellent. That's all the Gemara is saying. We didn't say that in the other case. Oh, in the first, so we're just trying to understand. In the previous statement, we thought that Rabbi Yisiaglili was saying that, that um, the... Uh, if he wasn't dying. Right, I'm an aide and a dying, and, and we're saying that you pay him on a tzuri. We're, we thought there's a possibility, a havamina, that an aide could become a dying. And over here you see a, a witness cannot double up and be a dying. Sigmar says, That price is dealing with the case where they, they, they saw it at night. And therefore, since they saw it at night, they're, uh, they're not allowed to try the case in that time as well, you not let a judge dine nefashas. Uh, you not let a judge dine nefashas at night. Apparently, um, that uh, the judgment has to be done has to be done throughout the day. And therefore, what we said before about Rabbi Huda Nasiya seeing the man who shouted into his his uh, friend's ear, he's going to be following the he, he's going to be following the pin of Rab Tarfin. But over here, we're going to say the judges saw the murder at night. And, they, and since they were at night, here's the lumdus. get ready for this. Nobody is ever called a judge at night. Because you can't judge cases at night. Interesting. Which means, get ready for this. If you're on the Sanhedrin. You can't hear a court. Correct. And therefore, are you on the Sanhedrin between 8 p.m. and 7 a.m.? No. No. But if you see something happening... Between 8 a.m. and 8, 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., then the next day. You can't judge. Again, again, again. Listen to this. This is what we want to say. Somebody gets appointed to the Sanhedrin. You clock in during the daytime, you clock out at night. Right. So if you see a murder at night, are you a dying? No. Right. But- and therefore, here's what you do there's a murder that took place at night. Murder was at night. The Sanhedrin are not members of the Sanhedrin at night. You're only going to become members of the Sanhedrin tomorrow. So what we'll do is, what we'll do is, take two of them, 
tell them that you're going to stay witnesses, but it doesn't passel up the members of the Sanhedrin because they're not members of the Sanhedrin during that time. Okay, no, they, they, they don't have the power. No, they weren't members of Sanhedrin at the time that they saw. Say it again. They weren't members of the Sanhedrin. Correct, at the time that they saw it. At the time right. That they saw it. So therefore. So right, so just because they know that it happened the night before yeah, is right. right is not enough. They have to get the information Bishas sitting on the Sanhedrin at the time that they're sitting. And that would be okay. Right. That, oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, that would get in the way of it. Right. That would, that would make them that they're not fit to sit on the right. Sanhedrin. Yeah. But the other way, but the other way, right. <laughs> okay. So in such a case you could have some of the judges testify. Uh, testify in front of the others. Okay. Viva Yisema, or if one, you can say, Hachi Amar Leidis, what he means, Ha, not the Sphere Lake, Rabbi Yisak, Lili, Damar Manatsuri, Vasadi, the Masadi, and there's, you have wait, you, you have witnesses that testified about this, and then for Zil Havle Manatsuri, he told him to go give this, this guy who you shouted in his ear, go give him a Manatsuri. So according to this explanation, Rabbi Yehuda was never an aide, he was never a witness in the first place. Now, let's just, uh, again, we're focusing on this topic, can an aide become a dayan? The suburb of Kiva, the Enein as a dayan, does Rabbi Kiva hold that somebody who witnessed something can never serve on the case, uh, even though you're not doubling up? Understand? I'm not doubling up. I saw it, but I'm not going to act here as a witness. I'm going to sit on the court and I'm going to take all my information in, completely relying on what people tell me. Rabbi Kiva says you can't do that. Says is that true? If you punch somebody with a rock or a fist, just like a fist is something which is well known um, to Ada, to people, and to the the uh, witnesses. Okay, what does that mean? It's known. It's visible. Visible. So, the same way if somebody has an arm, and people say, oh, he punched the guy in the face and gave an uppercut and killed the guy, right? Well, the hand is in court. The guy's not coming to court without his hand. So too, you can only judge a case, ready for this, if the weapon, if the assault weapon is in best. If you find the assault weapon... You bring it to Bezdin and we can start talking. If the, if the killing item is not found, nothing to start with. That's excluding a case where if one of the Edim found the weapon and then lost it, um, so then we still could, uh, we still could try it. Rabbi Kiva said, but, um, did, uh, w- was the victim hurt in front of Bezdin? That the judges should know how many times he got hit, and where he was hit, whether it was on his shaykh, on his thigh, or, or the is on a, a vital organ. Furthermore, somebody pushed, let's say you killed somebody not with a weapon, let's say you killed somebody by pushing them off a roof. What are you do? Bring the house? Or on top of a tower. Umes, the guy dies. Do we bring the Bezdin to go paskin at the site of the death? Do we bring the tower to the Bezdin? Is that what you're going to have to do, says Rebbe Kiva? Furthermore, what happens if, you, if somebody pushed somebody else off a roof and then the house was demolished? 
Reuven killed Shimon, and he knows if it would be true that Bezdin has to see the house, Reuven's going to go and demolish the house. Chayzer now? Do you have to go back and build it in order to pass in this? Yeah? No. What are you going to do? The Israelis do that all the time. Knock down the house. What are you going to do? You're going to, you know, you're going to say, we have to aid them. Adam saw it, so that it happened. Ella, rather, ma egroif, biyokashu mosla. Not that the same way an arm is in bez, everything needs to be in bez, but rather, just like a fist is noticeable to the witnesses, of course, you must have Adam. Okay, the witnesses need to have been able to see the weapon. Why? Why do they need to see the weapon? Because they have to know what happened. When they walk to they court, they say, We saw Reuven kill Shim. They have to make a judgment if that weapon is. Possible to, to kill, sure. right? Otherwise, yeah. how do you know? Otherwise, you, if, if you if you didn't see a weapon, how do you know? You, you don't know all the all the information. As opposed to a case where um, the uh, uh, which excludes a case. I'm sorry, which excludes a case where somebody killed somebody else and then it's lost. Potter, this guy, the the, the murderer. Is not going to be put to death. Okay, this, that's Allah of the Bryson. Now here we go. Says the Gemara, Katani Mias. Why do we bring all this down? What's our What's our goal over here? Bottom line is, says the Gemara, we learned Amalei Rebbe Kiva. What did Rebbe Kiva say? It says, did um, Did the guy hit him in front of the Bezdin? That, that Bezdin saw everything. Bezdin doesn't know how many times he got hit. But what if the guy would have hit the victim in front of Bezdin? It seems to apply that here we have a problem because Bezdin doesn't know how many times he got hit. But if Bezdin were to know, now how, were, how, how could they know if they saw it? This guy could be put to death. So now we have a problem. Right. And you're letting them, you're calling them judges. So before Rabbi Akiva said, if you see the action, you're not a judge. Now Rabbi Akiva is saying that you, you need to be able to see, have seen the action. Make up your mind. Says the Gemara, This logic of Bezdin needs to have seen the judges is not Rabbi Akiva's own psak. That, that the judges have to have seen the action is not Rabbi Akiva's psak. Rabbi Akiva's psak actually is aid ain nasadayin. If Bezdin sees something, they cannot be judges. But he says, according to Shimonatimani, who insists that Bezdin has all the information in front of them, they know exactly what the weapon looked like. They know exactly how many times the guy was hit. They know exactly where the striking happened. They know all that. According to Shivan Atimani, he'll say Eid Nasadayan. He'll say Eid Nasadayan. That you could. Bezin needs to know. So obviously he holds. You could become a judge. But Bekiva himself is not a contradiction. He holds. He's consistent. He holds that an Eid ain Nasadayan cannot become a, uh, cannot become a judge on the court. Yeah. We'll, we'll hold it here for today. Go ahead. Doesn't mean they have to see the actual killing. This means that they have to, they have to witness all the evidence so right. that they could. Well, they have to they know how many times they have to know how many times the guy got hit. Well, so that they didn't know. Have to now, or they themselves saw. Or they themselves saw. Or they themselves saw saw what happened. So now, so now they know. Now, if you're going to say that they themselves saw it, and now they know, it's so now we're going to say that it, it, that's going to imply aid nasadayin according to Shimon uh, Shimon Atimani. Mm. That's that's uh, that's Rabbi Kiva's. That is the Gemara's maskana. Okay.